UX Podcast Episode 146. Hello and welcome to UX Podcast, balancing business, technology and people every other Friday from Stockholm, Sweden. I'm James Royal Lawson. And I'm Pat Axbull. And in today's episode of UX Podcast, we're going to be bringing you um, highlights from our recent listener phone Yes, definitely one of my favorite show formats uh, when we take live calls from you, the listeners, and uh, you are able to post questions both live, calling into us, and via chat. And for our listener phone-ins, we are um, joined as a co-host by Danway Tran Luciani. Yeah, uh, Danway is with us on all these listener phone-ins, phone-ins uh, as we figure it's actually... Uh, we actually do these listener phone-ins as a regular radio show now, nowadays, so we actually have great conversations during, uh, or it's rather in between callers as well. Uh, and uh, I hope you get a taste of that over the next two episodes as well. And just to give you a, a rundown of the kind of things that we talk about in the um, in the full two-hour broadcast, um, working backwards, designing VR interfaces, the new MacBook Air and dongles, living in a virtual reality world, suicide and chatbots, mentoring, going from interaction design student to UXer, scrolling, design critiques, and panatonic kick. Oh yeah, there, there's some some really crazy shit we talked about as well. I mean, you went you went on. <laughs> Uh, we we talked about killing people in virtual reality worlds. Uh, I, yeah, I did. Yeah. I did have a few moments. <laughs> I, I I got a bit excited about. Well, excited. I got a ra- I had a rant about the MacBook Air as well. Um, yeah, yeah. But if you can, um, we're going to bring you the highlights of, across the next two shows. We're going to bring you highlights from this. But if you want to watch the whole thing, then go across to our YouTube channel or to our Facebook page and just play. <laughs> For our long-time listeners, uh, you'll be familiar with Danway, who always joins us during these listener phone-ins. Uh, but every between every listener phone-in, there is too much time. We want to do these more often. They're so much fun. Uh, they're, they're, the increase in listenership is quite huge, actually, which is fun for us. Uh, so for people who don't know, Danway joins us. Uh, tell us a bit about uh, what your, your everyday work is, Danway. When I'm not here. Or not working. <laughs> when you're not here. <laughs> when I'm not here, uh, I, I'm actually a PhD student. Right. Um, my research interest is about sketching in unfamiliar design situations. And that means when you're working with something that's not your daily work, for example, and how do you explore your early ideas for something that you're not super familiar with? And in those circumstances, maybe sketching on pen and paper, which is a very classical approach, may not be enough. So I'm trying to facilitate new uh, ways of sketching for these unfamiliar design situations. And one design situation could be um, designing for a 360-degree space, like in a dome or in VR. How would you sketch your ideas for that? So that's one of the things that I'm trying to facilitate. What brought you into doing that? Well, I've always had an interest in design and technology, and I studied interaction design during my master's, and after that I worked as a technical evangelist at Microsoft for six years with the focus on UX and Mm. design. And I wanted to spend more time on reflecting and uh, trying to improve the design 
processes and practice. Mm. And I thought that um, uh, during my during PhD studies that would enable me to think a lot at least. Yeah. And uh, maybe do something and come up with something new. We'll see. Awesome. Yeah. Well, it seems, it seems you chose the right space because it seems like everybody's talking about VR these days. So the V60 space is obviously very important to UXers of any profession, I think, actually, because it seems like even public services are getting into 3D and, and VR as well. And this year's Christmas present for every kid <laughs> will be a VR yes, headset. Apparently. Uh, so, but... And I mean, it's a struggle, I think, because we're so used to working with interfaces and flat screen interfaces. Uh, but how how do you transition from becoming a from from being a flat screen interface designer to working with 3D, or even more yeah. than 3D, that, that, like that immersive experience? Yeah, I think one of the key is to enable sketching. Mm. I feels like sketching or um, sketching in an explorative way mm. is a natural natural phase for most interaction designer mm. and designers. You mm. need to try out different ideas mm. before you can pick out the ones that seems more feasible mm. and you tr start to iterate and prototype it. Uh, so I think that one key is to enable sketching in these in these material and these design situations. And sketching can be in the form of uh, drawing, but it can also be in the form of uh, building things, like sketching with code, sketching with yeah. hardware, just being able to try out ideas quickly and easy and cheap. Right, because yeah. when it is actually 3D, you, or I'm calling it 3D yes. always, but <laughs> it's not 3D, uh, you have to actually be able to see it from different... Mm. Well, would, would you go into, uh, put on a VR headset and sketch in there? Yeah, I, I guess that could be an approach, <laughs> if, if you make that easy, cheap, and... yeah. Uh, okay, fast. yeah, that's interesting because yeah. well, it has to be cheap when, exactly. you, when you get going in the beginning, mm. of course. And you need to make sure that it's also possible, the things you yeah. think of, I guess. Yes, yes. Being able to express what you want to evaluate. You sh I mean, it's not enough to just be to put paint in 3D and just draw lines mm. and squares and circles, maybe, mm. because that's probably not what mm. you want to make in a 3D space anyway. Right. So you have to be able to express and explore the things that you want to create and maybe in a closer, more closer fashion, closer to the mm. material that you want to yeah. make as your final uh, artifact, so to speak. Yeah. How, how long would you expect, like from, from having a sketch to ha actually having being able to try it out in a VR space, how long is that oh. period of time or I don't oh, know? It depends, don't know. of, of yeah, course, on what, on what you want to expect. But yeah, it depends on the sketch and I think it feels like um, the more experience you have with something, the far further away from the final material the sketch can be in. Mm. So for, uh, take web design, for example. Yeah. It's a very familiar space. You can sketch wireframes in just pen and paper and still evaluate the flow of a website, even though the, pen mm. the wireframes don't communicate any animations mm. or pacing at all. Uh, but at the same time, if you were s to sketch for a 360-degree, maybe um, a flat uh, paper wouldn't be enough for you to evaluate certain characteristic, and it had to, has to be more closely. Right, and also, of course, yeah. depends on who's evaluating. Because yes. I think when, when you're mm -hmm. sketching, a lot of designers can evaluate that. Mm -hmm. But when you show it to a client, they have no idea exactly. what's going on. And exactly. that's why I usually go more and more towards high-fidelity yes. prototypes. So I would really want a space where I can have a high fidelity prototype or like sketch. I think I actually saw a video of this quite recently where somebody did a like a flat sketch of something and put it into a VR headset real quick so that you could actually move around and, and see, see, yeah. see. You couldn't click on anything, but no. you could actually see yeah. what yeah, they yeah. meant with that. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Mm. You 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 mentioned something very important there, that the purpose of the sketch depends also who the user of、mm. the sketch is. If it's just for your own purpose,、uh, you could probably get away with a lot less. Exactly. But if it's something that you're going to use for、mm. communication、mm. for a client or、mm. um, team members, it might have to、uh, be able to express a little bit more. Right. So、yeah. you choose the material depending on the audience, I guess. <laughs> Is anybody watching out there? Yeah, there's a few people watching. Okay,、um, and and I've I've now posted the、um, the appear in link、uh, to a few places because how this works is that we're sat here with an awful lot of iPads, phones, and laptops, and so on, and we're getting sound from our microphones through to computers. Through on a website as well, and the website allows us to take in callers who can join us in conversations, and all of this is getting streamed up to Facebook. This is a very complex setup. I just、it、have to say, I'm very proud. <laughs> the amount of sticky tape and string we've got through this morning to get this together is、um, incredible. Some things we don't know how they got to work, which is, is actually, scary in itself. That actually is true. <laughs> There is one particular aspect that we have no idea how it worked.、Um, oh, someone's calling, and、mm. someone's calling in. <laughs> My name is Gabe. I'm in Orlando, Florida.、Um, I work at Walt Disney Parks and Resorts Technology.、Um, I I only see James. I think. Where's everybody else?、Uh, actually,、uh, for the appear in link,、uh, you can only we. Well, I, I can, we can say hi we here. Can, we can move in. <laughs> we can do a group hug.、Right. So there we go. <laughs>、um, so I had two.、Uh, so one thing I wanted to share that I learned this year, and then、uh, a question about next year.、Hmm. So、um, this thing that I learned, and you you may already know this because I, I I was. Uh, googling it, and it's apparently common knowledge by now. But I learned it this year, and it was at Amazon. <laughs> so feel free to stop me if you've already、uh, heard this. But、uh, I was、uh, invited to an Amazon open house design event this summer, and I got insight into their design philosophy、um, and their how their you know the, their design approach. So I'm not sure if you guys have heard about how they work backwards. Have you heard about that? No, no. doesn't ring a bell. It's really it's it's fascinating, and I I was trying to dig up my notes before I left home, but I couldn't find them.、Um, but basically, what they do when someone has an idea for a project、um, before any you know epics and stories and designs are put together and any prototyping happens, they get everyone together in a room, and it's it's you know everyone from development, everyone、um, together, product、uh, managers. And they draft and complete an entire press release for、mm. what this Ooh, product、I've、or service、mm. is going to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah you heard of it? Yeah, 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 it, 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 yeah. It was so fascinating、mm. to me, and it's such、mm. a simple concept,、mm. but it, it blew my mind as I'm listening、mm. to these these folks talk about it. And you know, you really want to、um, put it in in layman's terms and. It, it's kind of like the, their their charter, so to speak, and everything that gets prioritized and designed、um, from from that point on. If it's not in the, you know, the press release,、um, you know, is is it that big of a priority? So it's it's really interesting that they they it forces them to put the the customer first, and、uh, I thought it was a really genius way to to approach it.、Um, I have yet to really socialize that here at, at Disney, but I thought it was—I thought it was really cool. What, what's what's a really good aspect of that is, of course, it, it forces you、um, to be open and to be in agreement about the the goal, what you're trying to achieve. 
Right, right. So, so, so you, it's a yeah. it's a team building exercise. You've got you've got everyone basically to to work on an agreement about. So, so compared to some of the more um, more dry and 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 I suppose more um, in your face ways of deciding what the mm. goal is when you come in and say, right, what's our goal? <laughs> so by doing this, okay, we're going to make a press release for the finished product. You're effectively asking exactly the same question. But you're framing it in a yeah, different way, yeah. and you're framing mm. it in a way that's made mm. fun and and allows you to kind of role play in a different way. And you're but also getting the emotion in there, I think, because mm. you you have to be emotional in your press release about mm. the fantastic thing that you've created. I think I've heard a variation of this. Instead of drafting the press l- release, I've heard of people drafting the media headlines that they want people to write about what whatever you're releasing. So mm. so the. So from the customer perspective, even. Mm. So mm. What, what are they going to say about the thing we're going to release? What should the news write about it? So drafting the headlines of Okay, use. yeah, that's yeah. an interesting take on it because mm. then you get the target group's yeah. e- expression or reaction to the press release. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> One step further. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So, exactly. so, so Google haven't both. gone far enough. Like, like Amazon, them. you Amazon. do both. Oh, Amazon. <laughs> yeah, design your press release and then imagine <laughs> the headlines that the press release is going to generate when it gets published. That's really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And role play, role play people sitting at the kitchen table reading <laughs> the headlines and what they say to their kids to explain it. <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah, I, I think it really helps to also bring out the value. You know, if you've got all of these features, you know, are you going to really load all those features into a press release? And what are you know what's all the value? So I think it helps to to water things down to just the you know the basics and the core the core features and values of this, you know, product. So, yeah, I, I thought it was really fascinating. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And your question about next year. Yeah. So the other one, it's it's hard to figure out what exactly my question is, but I, I maybe I can just uh, do some word vomit here and it'll it'll come out. <laughs> but uh, so it's around uh, VR and uh, and next year. And um, I know VR has become a, a, a hot topic this year. Um, and you know, there's mixed uh, emotions and, and, and opinions about uh, where VR is headed next and, you know, consumer adoption and things like that. And um, I, I personally struggle with the, the use cases right now with, with VR. But um, what I'm trying to get excited about is what is it like for a UX designer in VR? Um, and what are, what are the possibilities and what are the things that we should start learning about what is what is the usability testing like like just all these you know i'm starting to just think about in the back of my head like it would be really cool to design experiences in in vr um so anyway yeah it's just it's in my head and i wasn't sure if you guys had had uh spoken to any you know vr aficionados or anyone that's you know really passionate about designing in vr yet um and what what their thoughts are for next year, what you guys think are is going to happen next year? Well, it turns out we're sitting with one. <laughs> Danway <laughs> is doing her PhD. Oh, awesome! Yeah. <laughs> well, it's uh, I do my PhD in enabling sketching in unfamiliar design situation, and VR could be one of those. So that's one of my projects that I'm working with to enable designer to sketch in 360 degrees. And be, it, what no. we've seen so far is that the majority of people that create VR experiences are very, um, how do you say, they have, they're very skilled in develop, developing as well. So they're, they're coders mm-hmm. with also interest in design to a certain degree. But there are very few pure designers that are taking part in creating VR experience today. 
Um, and that's partly, we think, because the sketching part is not that easy yet. The explorative phase of trying out your ideas before investing too much time and developing time into creating them. Uh, so I, I was going to say, it, it reminds me of like the early days of when we started getting into uh, UX with you know front-end front developers. Like The front-end developers, a lot of them were the UX designers also. Yes. So it's almost yeah. like, how do you start you know, decoupling that and evolving it. So you've got your developers and then you've got your designers. So uh, yeah, I get what you're saying. Mm -hmm. I saw, I saw um, um, last month here in Stockholm, I saw a, a lightning talk about um, designing for um, virtual reality and how you might do that. Um, because from an interaction design point of view, it, it's quite challenging because you've, uh, you've, you've got to sketch something, but, um, but one step up maybe, we didn't lock the room. Um, <laughs> but so so you've you've got to design something that's going to work in a in a VR headset, and you've got challenges such as the the um, um, how do you click, um, what are your click areas, how do you scroll, um, how um, how can you scroll in a way that allows you to select mm. and click and not click the wrong thing, and how do you go backwards and forwards, yeah. and and how do you correct mistakes if you mm. click on the wrong mm. thing, you make it easy to go back. How do you do all this without making someone vomit at the same time as doing yes. it? Because some of these things, it's really easy to kind of, it seems to be anyway, really easy to design something uh, on paper or whatever you've sketched it as, mm. and then when you put it into a headset, people are just kind it of like, work. whoa, yeah. no, you can't do that to me. Um, <laughs> So, so I think from an interaction design point of view, it's um, um, there are a lot of things that seem to be transferable from from web um, or from gaming in particular. Yes. But um, but you've you've you're dealing with people in a slightly different way, and mm -hmm. um, and and yeah, we, there's a lot of things that you can transfer as your skills as an interaction designer. But um, there's still a lot of challenges um, um, because of the environment of of being so immersed, and that you can you can make people feel sick if you do the wrong mm. things or get them mm. into real difficult situations. Yeah. <laughs> so in that sense, you could you could see you could consider VR as um, accessibility, in the same way as in a similar way to how you consider um, building websites for for blind or hard of hearing or mm. colorblind, mm. Um, building a, a, a interaction design for virtual reality. In many ways, I think could be considered similar because it's you know, doing stuff so you don't make people sick doing stuff so they can they can easily correct and they don't have a mouse they've got another input device so there's a lot of similarities in how mm. you'd have to consider um some doing, of the work doing things so they don't get disoriented or yeah even addicted yeah addicted to being in that world which a lot of people seem to oh, be in now yeah that aspect mm. too mm. yeah it's very it's very fascinating mm. to me but uh yeah one thing we didn't well, mention. Thank you guys well, we didn't mention. I'm, I'm going to pick up on the one thing you actually did say was about the business cases. I'm also a bit skeptical about some of the business cases because I think we're in that kind of QR codes phase at the moment, where or even Adobe Flash or whatever mm. Flash phase. Yeah. That it's it's the shiny new mm. thing. Mm. So we're seeing marketing campaigns. We're seeing kind of like we well, got to do it as VR and got to do it as AR and yeah. That. And and I I think. Yeah. I think we're it's it's we're gonna have that mess now for a little while where we get a lot of stuff that's nah. Which really brings yeah. brings it back I to how important our profession is. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and I think people don't want to wear headsets. Like that's just not a it's not a cool or comfortable thing. I mean, look look, look what happened with uh, with glass. I know glass wasn't VR or anything, but uh, and I'm interested to see how these these uh, snap um, snap glasses. The glasses are what called, yeah. Spectacles, I think they're called. So it's just it's interesting. I think the wearables market still has to figure itself out before any type of VR or even AR mm. can happen. It's, it's uh, 
it's really interesting but yeah but at the same time cardboard um and, and the kind of low cost um clip on your phone vr headsets mm. are are making a, a really fun playful thing so there's there's a lot of opportunity for experimentation and play mm. um yeah but, but as far as more uh, more diverse applications of of, of vr um for the general public, mm. I don't really know yet. No, I think I think the key still is to get to enable designers and I guess marketers to be able to explore this space because mm. right now it's mainly occupied by technical savvy people and they may not think it's as fun to explore those kind of um, user friendly things. While maybe it's the technology, what's possible that's more interesting for them to explore, mm. and I think that's why we're seeing lots of these. Uh, prototypes and trying out things, see what's possible for now, and maybe in a little while when it's possible for designers to come into play too, that we'll see more user-friendly things and more uh, maybe more things that are um, could be a business value. So I yeah. think it's uh, maybe yeah. just a ma maturity of the technology. Awesome. Well, I've got to I've got to run to work, but uh, <laughs> thank you guys for the opportunity to chat, and thank you for all the awesome podcasts this year. Thanks, thanks very much for ringing in, Gib, and thanks again for writing a guest post on yes. the um, on the website for us. Oh yeah, of course. I'll probably do more soon. Yeah, excellent. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Bye. Right. Bye. Have a nice day. Have a nice day. And another way to participate is to write on our Facebook. We take requests for debate subjects. <laughs> yeah. uh, but speaking of Apple. <laughs> Oh, you, see, you are getting onto it, aren't you? Well, it was one of the things we thought we would be discussing today. I, it was more the fun. I, I didn't think we'd be able to avoid talking about it. Yeah, you're the one who wrote dongles in the... Well, yeah, because I didn't think, given, given the amount of talk yeah. there's been around <laughs> Apple um, since they launched the, mm. the, um, the MacBook yeah. Pro, I, I didn't think we'd manage to sit here for two hours yeah. and, and, and not mention, and it. Not mention no. it. Um So that was my, that was my justification for, for adding it to our list of, of potential. But Danway, uh, you still have a Windows phone. Yes, I do. You do? <laughs> so Windows phone, Android phone, iPhone, yes. uh, which we thought was quite funny until... I'm laughing, so it still is. ...until Apple released the iPhone 7 uh, without a headphone port. And also, of course, they call the, the headphone port uh, ancient. And then they released the new MacBook Pro series with a headphone port and without a lightning port. So the headphones that come shipped with the iPhone 7 do not work with the new MacBook Pro. And so it seems like the whole ecosystem of products is not really talking to each other anymore. No, the new MacBook yeah. Pros only come with two USB-C ports. That's including uh, the, the port you charge through. Oh. So you charge through that port, then you have one USB-C port. I didn't realize that until this morning mm. that the power is mm. USB-C, yeah. which is actually really, really good. I know, and that's you could you could see that as something positive because yeah. that's the first time <laughs> Apple have gone standard. Yep. Uh, and now you can use any charger that you buy mm. with a USB-C port. What I react to sometimes when we go to UX conferences is that you're supposed to, you're ex expected to have an Apple product. You're ex expected to have an Apple computer when you, in the workshops even they use uh, Apple proprietary software for demos and stuff. Uh, now. Maybe it's the case that people will become more interested in uh, perhaps trying out something that is actually a touchscreen on a laptop, uh, which a lot of people maybe thought that Apple would be coming out with. Well, well given, the amount of, given the amount of web based um, software mm. or cloud based software, um, I actually thought by now we wouldn't really be worried about operating systems. 
Oh, that's another thing. Yeah. Because I mean, I, th- mm. I thought by now maybe like the whole thing with like Chrome um, and and uh, Chrome OS, uh, mm. Windows and iOS that um, I know we'd have gone beyond it really, mm. but we haven't. I mean, it's still very. I suppose for the for the pro use stuff for the heavy stuff like your your Illustrator or your Photoshop or your sketch and things, then then um, then it seems like people really do like or want to have um, software, yeah. not not web based exactly. software. Um, but this it'll come. I mean, it's um, it's, it's related, I guess, to the app thing mm. that you know apps are a transition. Some some say I agree with them. I think um, apps are a transitional thing that web apps will be where you go. Mm-hmm. Um, just well, so we know they are tr- transitional mm. because nothing's forever. <laughs> <laughs> Too sure. As in, well, it's, not, it's definitely not an endpoint or even the short-term yeah. endpoint mm. because the only thing that's stopping us having web apps is connectivity and mm. availability. How easy it is to install or bookmark a web app compared to installing mm. because with the, with the latest version of the browsers, pretty much everything is available to you that you need mm. um, to do an app. Um, so the excuses, as far as this is people telling me or what I've read about from developers about making apps, that there's not as much need anymore to 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 have an a, an app built for a phone. Even notifications you can do now. True. Mm. Apparently, They're, they just may not work as fast. I don't know. No, I, I, I have I, this I, debate I all the time. I, I, I didn't I, think we I would go the app way either. I'm, we're trying out that in the project I'm working in now. Mm. People want the app, even though there is a responsive interface, mm. and well, they're the, not bringing that much to the table, really. But this exactly. So mm. this is the this is the thing about um, I say about availability that mm. your your app stores and Google Play and mm. and and um, App Store, there people have been conditioned over the last what nine years mm. to to visit that app mm. to find new apps. Mm. So as a repository, mm. it's that that's for that's basically well not tricking it. It's it's promoting the installation of apps, right? If you start including web apps mm. in Google Play and in um, well, um, App Store, mm. then, then you know, we solved it. Yeah. The only reason that they're not bookmarking web apps is because they they're not available in the. In or the maybe stores. we just need to create a new web-based repository. But then you need to get it installed on all the phones, or at least get it added to all the phones. Or market it enough that nah, people actually go to yeah, it. No, no, I don't think you know. It needs to come a standard. To make an impact. Yeah, but that won't happen. No, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting myself r- r- wound up about a laptop mm. I'm not going to buy. <laughs> okay, so I love these shows, but we actually have no idea. We haven't the faintest about what you just listened to because we're actually recording this outro before that show has been produced. Yeah, well, we know kind of roughly. It's going to be lots of VR stuff we've talked about. Um, but the thing is, yeah. you can hear more from this live listener phone in in part two which will be out next friday in the form of episode 147 right and also of course if you want to listen to the whole thing uh two hours of us talking then you can still go to youtube or facebook our pages there so in the meantime um if you celebrate this kind of thing then um merry christmas merry christmas and you can visit uxpodcast.com for the links that we've mentioned, um, if I have time to listen to it all and work out what they are, um, mm-hmm. and if you can't see them in your podcast client. Um, if you've enjoyed your podcast, then, um, well, tell a friend. Leave a comment on iTunes. Or Stitcher. Or anywhere. <laughs> Email us. We're terrible at replying to emails, actually. Yeah.
Now I'm babbling. We should stop. Yeah, we should stop. <laughs> Remember to keep moving. See you on the other side. And stay curious. Stay curious.